G'day guys, welcome to Talking Luft. I'm back from the Vuelta and I'm feeling slightly recharged, but still very tired from a brutal, brutal race. If this is the first time you're listening to Talking Luft, I thought maybe I should just let you know about it. This is our little spin-off series. You know, we have our full episodes over at the Cycling Podcast, Life in the Peloton, explaining what life is like as a pro over at the Cycling Podcast. Go across and listen to that. This is the second little spin-off series that I do, a little DVDs extra package that when I speak to my guests and I do the full episode, I try and get them on and try and do a little extras, which is what this is. This is just silly questions, finding out what their style is, what sort of coffee they drink, extra, and so on. If you listen to the episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, enjoy if you haven't listened to any, you've got to go back and listen to the, the back catalogue of Talking Luft, but also go back and listen to the back catalogue of all the Life in the Peloton episodes. All the Life in the Peloton episodes are over on our website. If you are struggling to find them on the Cycling Podcast stream, they do they pump out so many episodes, so many great episodes through the Grand Tours. You can also go across to the Life in the Peloton website and find every episode we've done there as well. The Life in the Peloton episodes plus the Talking Luft are all on our website. The Talking Luft will be on our feed. The Life in the Peloton episodes will be on the Cycling Podcast feed. So go across there and check that out. This week, I'm talking with Swain Tuft. And if you don't know his name, I don't know how you don't. He's a great friend of mine. I was teammates with him back on Orica Green Edge or Mitchelton Scott or Green Edge, whatever you want to call that team, back in the Australian team. And I got to meet him there. We clicked and he is an amazing guy. I went on a gravel ride with him probably three, four weeks ago now. And he said to me, hey, Mitch, has anyone ever turned the mic on you? And I thought, well, no, not really. Everyone sort of asked me, when are you going to do an episode on you? And I thought, well, it's not about me, Life in the Peloton. It's about life as a pro. But I thought, who better to interview me than Swain Tuft? But before he interviewed me, I thought, I've got to do a Talking Luft with him. Because I did an episode with him about 12 months ago. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that. That is in the Life in the Peloton feed. It's a fantastic episode. If you want to find out who I'm talking about, go and listen to that episode first then listen to this episode, Talking Luft with Swain Tuft. It's an amazing episode. So, I do have some news about caps. I know people have been very lucky to get caps, but a few people have still missed out. There's news about the caps after the episode, so hang into that. But until then, sit back and enjoy the Talking Luft with Swain Tuft. Coming up next week on the Cycling Podcast is Swain Tuft interviewing me. So guys, these are the last few episodes for the year. As you may or may not know, Life in the Peloton runs in the cycling calendar year. This year, you've got a few extra episodes because it's been so long. But we'll be returning in February next year. But for now, we've got Talking Luft this week, my big episode next week, and that'll be us for the year. I need a little break. I need a break from writing. I need a little break from podcast. But I'll be back, ready to go, 2021. So until then, guys, enjoy this episode. A 
Oh, here we are, guys. This is Talking Luft, and this time I have got a very special guest. I've been hoping to get him back on the pod, and I thought I'm up here in Andorra with him. What better to get a Talking Luft? Welcome, Swain Tuft. Hey, mate. Nice to be here. <laughs> it is good. It's good to be back to have you back behind the mic. Now we've just done a little three-day trip, and I've delved into your world but this time around i had a bit of fitness up my sleeve oh yeah angel of the mountains for pete's sakes when the wheels were turning once we went onto the feet things changed didn't they well that's where the the bigger bones paid off i reckon <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much went for a three-day um trip around the pyrenees it was it was fantastic it was a great change in scene and um just what the doctor ordered for me and i think Swaino just enjoyed seeing someone else suffer on his terrain. <laughs> well, that route couldn't have been any better, mate. And and yeah, for me, it's just a treat. Anytime I can get you guys out there into that part of the world, oh. Beautiful. All right, well, let's get into it. Talking Luft, the first question is caps, caskets. How do you wear yours, Swaino? Well, in saying that, I just got the sweetest gift after... Get, <laughs> The other day you brought up uh, life in the Peloton casket, so that was pretty pretty great. Um, yeah, you know I'm probably the worst guy to talk luft with in the world, um, but I do like a cycling cap, and if I'm if I am gonna wear it, it's just propped up. I always like the Indurain style. Oh yeah, just kind of covering the the skull there on the top, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, really, in racing, it always came down to, you know, it was just for for the rain and co and covering the eyes, you know, protecting the eyes. So forward with the brim down. Yeah. Always. What about for sign-on? Same thing, yeah. Mm. Yeah, really, it was just more of a thing to, yeah, just have a hat handy, you mm. know, from the sun. You know, when you have a hairdo like mine, you just can't have the sun beaming down on you all the time. So, Yeah. Very, very Biani Reese of you, you know, <laughs> yeah. old Biana. He was yeah. also protecting the skull. It's also a fantastic look, you know. <laughs> so if you say that, I f that makes me feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> Second question. If you could have raced in the day, and did you race in the day when there was no helmets, Law? Yeah, so that's actually pretty funny because I had zero experience when I first came on as, as I've kind of described before and with already within one year or two years of yeah one and a half year of racing i was going with the national team to tour Langkawi in 2001 and that was still the era of no no helmets guys were doing bunch sprints and no helmets and you know up to that point i've i toured quite a bit i never wore a helmet i just never crashed enough to have it really be a thing you know and at this time when I was super inexperienced, I was like, wow, these guys aren't wearing helmets. And I remember I rode the TT, uh, no helmet, and then some of the climbs, no helmet, but I would never even think about that now. Like I remember riding this time trial in the wet in friggin' Kuala Lumpur, <laughs> slick roads, and you're just like, I would never try that now. What did you do? Just nothing, no nothing. hat, no nothing. Yeah, just, yeah. I still had some hair left in those days, so yeah. 
Just let it flow in the wind. Well, also, I was on the national team. I wasn't on a team that actually had hats, so, you mm. know, it wasn't really an option. You didn't think about just pulling some kind of crazy bandana out with, you know, the Canadian flag <laughs> on it? So, like I said, I've never been a, much of a style guy, so, you know, that wouldn't have been an option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your favorite race? Whoa, favorite race. I mean, for me, that's like a, a bit of a double-pronged, question because there's the races that are like for bike racing and like that part of your life you're trying to achieve things or whatever but if i'm going to say like my my fa- there's beautiful races there's like hard epic races like the giro but i have to say probably the funnest race i've done in uh the last while has been Duranoman with mm. uh, our friend luke durbridge and you know, the reason for that, you'd be like, oh, what? Like going up to northern France and riding a two-up time trial sounds like hell to some people. But, Me, um, right here, I'm yeah. one of those people. <laughs> I mean, going up there with Derbs and like, it became like racing was back in the day. And after all these years of like world tour racing and, and the the system that's in place, you fly, you picked up by the bus, and then you're just in this bubble of, you know, it's kind of intense especially for guys like me, hotel living. Here we are, you get like, we basically get up to Paris, rent a car, and we drive like five or six hours out to this start of this race. And, you know, you're staying in some kind of Airbnb. It's kind of like racing was back in the day. You're out there pumping your tires. You're in a parking lot with a bunch of people, like random people from all over who just love this stuff. And you kind of feel that energy. And, you know, we take it seriously and we went, we went all out it's also just such a hard hard effort but so cool to do it with someone else and i think that was what i enjoyed most towards the final years was was kind of doing those things together um it was no longer about individual mm. tt it was like there was magic in like putting that effort together and having like really something special come of that so you guys hold the record don't you yeah yeah uh, what's the average k and hour for that i think it's 50 but you have to remember uh, maybe it's 50 or 51 i'd have to go look how but far is it it's uh 52k and but there's a lot of climbing it's mm. like uh, you know how those roads are up there you just constantly you're constantly undulating and there's like a few proper climbs in there so i think it's well over 500 meters in that uh in that uh, 50k. 50K. So it's it's not like you're just ripping along, you know, you're you're actually really having to pace these climbs. (laughs) All right, next question. That was great. What, uh, are you crosswinds or mountains? In, uh, well. (laughs) What do you prefer? What do I like? Well, it's funny because I just love mountains. So it's really hard for me to ever say like riding in crosswinds is ever fun. Um, I will say when you're in great form and you're you're with a good team and you have a big goal for that day to kind of break things up and as a rider like myself that like if I was really fired up and motivated and, and had good form that was kind of an exciting mm-hmm. time you know because it was it was a time where you could really do something in the race when most of the time you're just getting your head kicked into the mountains <laughs> but always the mountains for me like as much as I suck in the mountains, I absolutely, like even on the worst days, I'm still looking around while you're going up in the Dolomite somewhere. Just, you can be totally fucked, but 
you're enjoying this this moment somehow, you know. And it's difficult on the flip side and crosswinds when you're going out the arse and you're looking across, <laughs> just seeing the rain come in on the side, going, "This is pretty cool, actually." Still, <laughs> or you're in Qatar in a sandstorm, <laughs> in like getting yeah. dropped by the caravan. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, mountains. What is your favorite or hardest training session that you can think of? Whew. Yeah, so you know over the years you you try so many different things right and in the very beginning for me it was always really simple just go and ride and then like when you hit a climb go and smash it so that was there was never any like thing that sticks out from that time but in the later years as you're in, like kind of everything's changing as a rider in your body mentally all these things you have to start trying all these different efforts and i remember there was a while I started doing these efforts up up above here, um, mm. where I live. I uh, live on this road up to Porto Cabos, which is a pass to 2,300 meters. And there's a somewhat flattish section from Col de Botella, which is at 2,000 up to 2,300. And it's a nice, beautiful, dead road, no cars. And I started doing like it's just a be beautiful dead road. I don't know <laughs> if those two words go together. Yeah, no, but I mean like dead as in no car. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was do I would start doing some TT efforts, oh. but like full gas TT efforts at altitude, and mm. that's just it's the worst feeling because it's also a mental cracker, as you know. Like you don't put out the power that you do at uh, two thousand plus meters, and yeah, it was, I actually never felt good in those things, but I'm, and I'm even questioning to this day if that ever was of any benefit, but it was just an example of the <laughs> things you tried, you know, that you tried in this crazy sport to like, you had to try something because there's no written textbook on this stuff, right? Mm. Even in the world tour, after all these years, there's new stuff coming out that's changing the way guys are now. And I think that's one of the fascinating things about bike racing is there's, there's no one at the very top level who's going to take a year out of their life to be part of a research study. The, the idea is you just keep pushing forward. And I think that's, uh, that's why we actually know nothing about this sport, really. Mm. Very good. Racing or training? Training. If I could have been paid to just train, sweetest thing ever. I mean, even to this day, <laughs> I'm happy to just go and ride. Yeah. And if you say like 250K for the day, I'll be like, oh, it's a big day. But I'm not blown out about it. I'm yeah. pretty excited because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I did the sport. I, lo I love the training part. Now, racing always came at a certain time where that was definitely more the motivation. But I would say the mainstay was always training. Change of tact here. What's your drink? What's Swaino's poison? What do you like to get into? Yeah. I would have to say it's just the the red wine thing. Ooh, <laughs> the Malbecs. <laughs> Don't mind a Malbec. Yeah, I like um, a lot of the French uh, Syrahs and uh, the big yeah. boys. Yeah, I the like, Riberos. I like, I like yeah Riberos. Um, yeah, I like a strong red. Yep. Nice. All right, when you're out there doing these rides, maybe it could be the tour, the big touring rides, or it could be just back in the day when you were just training. Did you used to stop for coffee? No. Never. I'm not really a coffee stopper guy. I, it's never 
I'd actually, I don't know what it is, what, <laughs> what my deal is, but I just, if I was training, it was training. I, I did not want to break it up sitting around at a coffee shop. I just felt like such a, I get it. It's, it can be really nice. Say for an grandy when you're on the rest day mm. and you go with the boys, but then sometimes it involves in this two hour long sit down and you're just like, I'd rather just be like sleeping right now, you know? Finished. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I was never much of, I, when I trained, I'd like to just keep giving her and I'm even, I don't know what part of my mentality is like that, but I just have to keep, keep on getting keep it done. On. Yeah. All right. Well, and then when speaking of coffee, when you're back home or whenever you're getting a coffee, what sort of coffee do you drink? Are you a black coffee man? Are you a frothy cappuccino with a marshmallow dunked on top? What do you get into? Like that all made in uh, Florence there. What was the... Cappuccino <laughs> King. Yeah. That was do you just like, like that? That was like an ice cream to me. Yeah. That's so much sugar. I didn't realize you liked the big sugary ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and the little gummy bears on the side. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, I've kind of, as as you're involved in that world of cycling, you try every kind of coffee there is and you, you go through some phases, but in the end... It's really funny because my favorite coffee is just quite simply a really strong like Aeropress. Mm, like just that's good though. Powerful stuff. If I'm gonna drink coffee, I, I love the taste. I like to get the taste of the coffee, and I don't like as soon as you're dumping sugar and milk in there, I find like you're no longer really drinking coffee. Then I'll just have like a milkshake or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like to train with a group or alone? Oh, I love. I love being alone, eh? That's that's another part I love about I loved about that job was I felt like it was like for me it was a medicine. For me it was like a, a free psychologist. Every time I was out on the road, I short I sorted shit out and I was able to like come back ready f for the next phase of mm. life or whatever, you know? And yeah, I also I never liked Every time I made, I love people. I love to ride with people and, and you can go on some great group rides for sure. But there's something about my life that I love to have just the freedom to not adhere to a schedule. Mm. And so much of our life is structured in that, in that world. So for racing, everything is dialed down to the minute. And when I was home, I never wanted to have that crazy structure. So I didn't like, as much as I do like to ride with people, I didn't want to have to like, be at a place in exact time and then if you had specific training how is it going to work out with their route and all that stuff you know it just became a hassle so yeah a lot alone yeah alone. nice <laughs> favorite training route what's the what's your favorite route that you can think of now Oof. Well, so hard because in the last bunch of years i i really stopped doing training routes mm. like i i did more just touring than yeah anything. well rides it could be one of the one of the routes that we did or you know what's your favorite sort well, of then loop I'm, I'm if you can straight it. up if it yeah straight up it's over the pass port de caboose drop down to the the big road there in spain on the other side which is all gravel descent all gravel descent yeah and then uh 20k descent isn't it <laughs> it's quite yeah. solid you actually you want 33c tires for that one because uh <laughs> <laughs> or bigger <laughs> Yeah, um, then you head up this other valley and you cross over this pass into into Spain and then you, you or into France and you come up again back over into Andorra with a bit of hike-a-bike 
but it, for me it's just uh it just covers every great part of this this part of this world and you kind of dabble in everything there's steep climbs there's some hiking carrying some shit and then there's just long 20k climbs like 2000 meter long climbs as as you experienced yesterday mm. yeah it was a great loop great loop what's your best bike and actually we're sitting in your garage at the moment there's a lot of bikes around what is your favorite bike are we talking road here anything just, it can be just anything. if you had to pick one bike what would it be now you're just like you know what when i think about it i just bloody love that bike well there's different bikes for everything and and i think that's uh where it gets tricky for me to actually say um i don't really touch a road bike anymore mm -hmm. i have a, a leg or a bike hanging over there uh hand built in barcelona um that bike i friggin love because it's it's like a tank and it's the kind of bike I, if i was gonna go around the world or across the pyrenees or something like that that's the bike i'd want just because it's it's bomb proof mm. it's, a, it's like a cross bike isn't it yeah it's just a, a hand-built steel custom bike that uh, uh a guy named matia in in barcelona builds and yeah it's just fantastic and stuff. it fits like 40 mil tires in it and it's got 40, road bars I on it I, got, I can put 48s in there uh, you can put 650B tires in there and, and run like mountain bike tires. So. Do you spray? Yeah. And then uh, for day-to-day, -day, like what I mostly ride, um, just because it's just, it's like a perfect hybrid bike for, for gravel and road, is uh, the Scott Gravel Addict. And uh, that thing is just like, it's essentially like a road race bike mm -hmm. with, that you can put 40 see tires in and it's just yeah i mean so i was really questionable questioning like how strong they were um just because you assume it's like a race bike and the stuff you can put these things through is incredible so mm. yeah i would say those two stand out as uh what about phase. the fat what about the fat bike <laughs> yeah well that, that's for a ride with my boy so yeah that's just cruising in the mountains real slow you know yeah. and it's basically like suspension with those tires because yeah it's cushy yeah what pressure do you put in fat bike tires oh you can run very low like what? one five, bar five yeah even under five psi what? 10 psi yeah <laughs> yeah 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 right all right last question in this weird times that we've had this year lockdown quarantine well not quarantine because i guess we weren't quarantined but what is your quarantine revelation what's your lockdown revelation something that you learned out of this period um these last few months that we've had time around our family time not doing what we normally do yeah that's a that's a big one for me because uh you know in our life here we had a lot of things happening also with this crazy time so I think the the biggest thing that I took out of it was to just put the brakes on a little bit. Um, that part of my life, I was jumping into already another project, and I hadn't really dealt with this transition of my life and dealt with who I am and where I'm going, you know. And that was something that really hit me during this time to just family is, is number one and you you rarely get these moments where life is kind of on pause and it really helped us like reassess what 
our plan is for the future. And so many ways, as, as crazy as that sounds, I'm kind of thankful for this whole, you know, obviously I'm not thankful for COVID. That's, that's the worst, but I'm thankful that life was kind of put on hold for us in order to have this moment to actually think about that stuff and deal with those things. And, and then just coming out of like, like, you know, a professional cycling job, it's like, there's not a lot of, uh, guidelines for something like that, you know, and you don't realize how much that's going to affect you down the road, you know? And so for me, it was a really good time to, to deal with that. Awesome, mate. Thanks for being back on the pod. Thanks, bud. Swaino, Talking Luft. Like I said, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to his episode we did last year. It's on the Life in the Peloton feed. Just scroll back, check it out. He's awesome. So good. Such a good mate of mine, and I loved talking to him. Like I said, next week coming up, he's going to be flipping the mic on me, and he interviews me. I don't know. See what you think. It's hard for me to say if it's a great episode or not because it's interviewing me, but, you know, have a listen. That'll be next week over at the Cycling Podcast. Like I said, big news, more caps are coming. They've been delivered. I've sent them across. They're going to be up in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe because if you subscribe to Life in the Peloton over at lifeinthepeloton.com, you will get first access when the caps will be be released. If not, you'll just have to wait for the Instagram story release and you'll have to hope that there's a few left. I've been loving it that everyone's been posting the cap pictures up on Instagram. I'm loving some luft. Everyone gets the idea. These caps hold good luft and I've seen it proof on Instagram. So guys, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks again for listening. I want to thank Lara behind the scenes. She's been doing a hell of a lot of work this year especially to produce those caps for us. So most of that work goes back to her. Guys, until next week, I hope you enjoyed. This is the last Talking Luft. I really hope you enjoyed this mini-series. I want to hear your thoughts. But until then, cheers. Cheers.